0: turn to the book of jeremiah i want to invite you to join me as we read god's word together jeremiah chapter four is where i want to begin i'm actually going to look at two passages in jeremiah because we're preparing for this communion table jeremiah chapter four and i'd like to invite you to stand with me we're going to read down through verses three and four and then i'd like to turn to chapter thirty one Receive God's word. This is what the Lord says to the people of Judah and Jerusalem. Break up your unplowed ground and do not sow among thorns. Circumcise yourselves to the Lord. Circumcise your hearts, you people of Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem, or my wrath will flare up and burn like fire because of the evil you have done. Burn with no one to quench it. And then in chapter 31, beginning with verse 31, "'The days are coming,' declares the Lord, "'when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel "'and with the people of Judah. "'It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors "'when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt, "'because they broke my covenant, "'though I was a husband to them,' declares the Lord. "'This is the covenant that I will make "'with the people of Israel after that time.' declares the lord i will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts i will be their god and they will be my people no longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another know the lord because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest declares the lord for i will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more may god have his blessing to that word Father, I just pray right now that you will teach us and prepare our hearts for this moment. Open our eyes and our hearts to the certainty of your word and your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, this morning, we are invited to come forward and participate in Holy Communion. Now, I want you to know that there is such a thing as unholy communion. The Apostle Paul, in his instructions regarding communion in 1 Corinthians, reminds us that as we come, we must examine ourselves to see if we're in the faith, to see if we are right with the Lord, or we risk bringing judgment upon ourselves. You see, the truth is everyone in this room is invited to come. But if we come without knowing that Christ is our Savior, Christ is our redeemer. If we come not recognizing our own sin and truly understanding our real need for forgiveness and a desire to have a more intimate relationship with him and a desire to serve him, then this very easily can just become a a dead ritual. At best, it becomes meaningless. At worst, it increases our guilt. And the thing is, we can go through the motions with hearts of stone and think of ourselves as good and okay. We can be proud. We can take communion. But it will not be holy. Jeremiah's message was largely to a people who had the form of a religion but did not know its power. He knew firsthand the difference between holy and unholy communion with God. If you study the book of Jeremiah, you note that most of this book has to do with this tormenting tension between a covenant, promising, fulfilling God who always keeps his commitments versus a a people who, who make promises and again and again are disobedient and fail to fulfill them. Now, what is interesting to me is that while the people broke the covenant, they still in practice at least worship God, at least on a surface sense. You, You see, they went to the temple. They participated in the sacrifices and the obligatory prayers and even the tithes. But Jeremiah also tells us something else. Their heart wasn't in it. Because when they left the temple, when they went outside, they in fact followed after other gods. For instance, they participated in making cakes for the queen of heaven. Ishtar was one such a god, a pagan mother goddess worshiped by Judah's neighbors. They worshiped her too. And evidence is, is that they participated even in the barbarity of sacrificing their children to these gods something I think you could argue that abortion is today. Their idea was, well, if one god is good, two has to be better. Let's cover all our bases, and so they thought they were getting away with worshiping all of these gods, and so they did that, and they fumbled through the ritual and formula of the temple just in case. You see, the truth is you can be here this morning and your heart be somewhere else. My senior year of college, I dated another girl that is currently not my wife. Mary and I had dated before that, but we kinda had this on again, off again kind of relationship, and so while there was some hesitancy about the romantic part, this one thing was sure, we had become close friends. I began to date this other girl and the reason was basically she fit the pastor's wife mold, you know. She had the, the, the personality, I thought, the skill set, that kind of thing. But my mom kept telling me, you know, Jeff, I don't think she's for you. She's, she's not very pretty, for one. She was right about that. I don't, don't let that word get out. I guess it's on the Internet now. But, uh, but as we neared graduation... I realized that after I received my diploma, Mary would head back to Pennsylvania. I was there in Kentucky and Indiana, and there would be very little chance that we'd ever see each other again. And so there was one day, right two, three days right before graduation, I was in the library. Mary was there too. Uh, She was there, and we ran into each other, and she said something to me like this, well, I guess this is goodbye and friends that hit me I, I, I wouldn't recommend this to anyone but just days before graduation I went to the other girl and broke up with her because my heart was with Mary and it still is can I ask you where your heart is this morning you see you can be here but your heart is somewhere else Our hearts can be somewhere else when it comes to God. Now, I I don't think that there's any one of us who are gonna run out of this place this morning and bake cakes for the queen of heaven. That's probably not our issue. But we can have other gods nonetheless. Anything that warrants our affection above our relationship with God is an idol to us. You know, it can be entertainment. It it can be money. It can be sex. It can be things. It could be our career. Jeremiah looked at the people and their lack of love, their lack of devotion, their lack of commitment and it tore at his heart. And so, see him stand in that temple courtyard. He he watches these people as they wander thoughtlessly and rather routinely through those massive bronze gates where they ought to be ushered into the very presence of God. And would you see him finally mounting those temple steps and he begins to preach, and this is a hard message. It's not not filled with interesting illustrations. It doesn't have any corny jokes. It isn't just a sermon, it's a summons. It's a prophetic word, an announcement of condemnation. And he shouts, turn from your wicked ways, repent and serve God alone. And his voice echoes through the din of the crowd but no one pays attention. There is no response. The altar is not full. The truth is what they had made of the temple was what Jesus would later say is this, a den of thieves because they were stealing from God the worship that rightfully belonged to him and to him alone. Where's your heart? You see, the people had a sense had no sense they had forgotten the sense they had lost the sense of the presence of God they had lost a hunger for him they didn't desire to know him intimately they didn't desire to follow him they didn't know the experience of communion with him they preferred quite frankly a God who was distant and aloof Maybe a God who would bless them from time to time, but a God who otherwise just didn't interfere in their lives. They didn't want a God dictating what was moral and good and better for them. And so Jeremiah, though he preaches with passion, and in fact he weeps for the people, the people don't hear him. Their hearts are not hungry. They're just very hard. Now if you know judah's history you know that judgment does come jeremiah's prophet prophecies come true and and jeremiah in fact sadly sees it with his own eyes the babylonian army invades jerusalem is laid low the temple is destroyed many many perish and more are carted off to exile in babylon Israel was hungry to be like other nations, hungry to worship other gods. And so God gives them over to their desires and they become the very part of a nation they wanted to be so much like. Friends, be careful what you love because it becomes your destiny. But then Jeremiah sees something else. It's very interesting When Jerusalem fell to its enemies and all the destruction occurs, Jeremiah's message changes. Early on, so much of his message was about wrath and judgment and doom. But now that the judgment had come, Jeremiah begins to prophesy about new beginnings, about forgiveness and redemption and grace and a new heart. And what we see here in this passage is the Lord showing Jeremiah that all that in fact had happened to Judah, the destruction, the humiliation, and we could talk about all of that so much more, was really God preparing to do a new thing. You know, if God has done something devastating in your life, you face a major adversity, for whatever reason, it occurs to me that God may want to just do a new thing there. God wanted to rebuild a new people on the ruins and renew a holy relationship with his people. And so God's purpose was not merely to exact revenge and punish them. God's purpose was to sweep clean the false foundations of faithlessness in order that he might build and plant something new. You see, God loved his people. In fact, that love was so great that he would not let his people go. But unlike the old covenant, the new covenant, he said, would be an inner one. It would not be chiseled on the tablets of stone, but in fact, Jeremiah says, it would be written on the heart. You know, it's this idea that Jesus is referring to when he states at the Last Supper, this is the cup of my blood poured out for you a new covenant we need to understand this morning that what we are about to do when we partake of these elements what makes communion holy is a clean heart now by the word clean I don't mean that we're morally spotless it does not mean that you have never done anything wrong Otherwise, none of us would be worthy to come. It means, rather, the kind of clean where something has been kind of swept clean. It means empty. It means that all the trash that is accumulated in our hearts has been eliminated, thrown out, disposed of, swept away. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. A clean heart is an empty heart. When we come to Jesus, 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He cleans us, he makes us new again. He does something beautiful and wonderful. And so sin is not our issue anymore. A clean heart is an empty heart, but like an empty stomach it cries out to be filled and fed. With a clean heart, the whole person begins to hunger and thirst for God. As the deer pants for the water, so my soul pants for you, oh God. You know, when I had young kids at home, we might go out to eat every once in a while to a really nice restaurant like Applebee's, okay? That was a, that was a step up for us, but... But as a dad, I remember how frustrated I would get when the kids would order their meals and then it would be brought to them and they wouldn't eat a thing. Why? Because they filled up earlier on junk food. You been there, Mom? Dad? They'd had a candy bar or some snacks, fruit snacks or something something like that. Micah is 21 years old. 22 years old and he still does the same thing in our house. Mary will be making dinner and there he is. He's snacking away at keto's or at the air fryer making mozzarella sticks. He can't wait 10 minutes to, to, for dinner and then when dinner comes, he doesn't want to eat. Because when you are stuffed with junk, even your favorite food doesn't appeal to you anymore. See, I think what makes communion holy is you hunger for it. You need it. You want it. And it's not about the elements. It's about him. It's about his presence and that joy of knowing he's he's there and he's good and he loves you. Listen, listen. If we come to the Lord's table full of junk, if there's bitterness in this room or resentment, if there's pride or lust, if there's greed or jealousy, if we come to the Lord's table after having served the false gods of materialism or wealth or come thinking we've got it all together then communion is sure not going to be holy because our heart is not hungry for god he wants to do something new in us but if we're filled up with all that junk he can't but if we come this morning knowing that our sin is great and Christ's work is greater, and only he can cleanse us, then we're ready to receive. For we are people of the new covenant. In Hebrews, we read this. Hebrews 10 says, the Holy Spirit also testifies to us about this. First he says, this is the covenant I will make with them. After that time, says the Lord, I will put my laws in their hearts and I will write them on their minds. Then he adds, Their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. That's our promise this morning. But are you hungry for God? Sometimes we we think, Well, I would be more hungry if the pastor preached a better sermon or worship was more inspiring. Well, you realize that that has to do with the externals. It's a matter of your heart. And if you're not hungry, then ask yourself, why not? What is filling me up instead? Jesus said it this way. He said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness For they will be filled, satisfied. He also said, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. So, if you don't have a hunger for God this morning, it's simply this there's other stuff in the way. And so, we need to come to God and ask Him to clean it out and make us hungry. are you hungry father I I come before you with a heavy heart I I think about Jeremiah and what he experienced in those days as he saw people just going through the motions save us from that you sent Jesus Christ that we might be clean that we might be renewed, that we would be whole again. But Lord, maybe this morning you need to clean some of us out. Let's take a moment right now and just confess any of those things that the Holy Spirit is bringing to mind. Lord, we confess these things to you because we have the audacity to believe your word and because of your grace I can declare that you are forgiven Lord thank you that you are a forgiving gracious and merciful God give us a holy hunger for you in these moments in Jesus name amen I'd like our uh, communion stewards to come forward at this point as we gather and in just a moment we're going to receive communion together and if you've been a part of our church you kind of know how this works but if you have not been we'll invite you to come down the center aisles there will be four uh, stations I guess you can choose one to come to when, when that uh, time comes and then um, uh, take the bread and the cup and take that at whatever point you would like, if you'd like to spend time at the altar, you may also do that as well. Um, But uh, let's, let's make this a moment of Holy Communion. God's word tells us that on the night that Jesus was to be delivered over to the authorities, arrested, and then the following day be crucified on the cross, that he met with his disciples for a last meal, the last supper. And in doing so, our Lord took some bread, and he gave thanks to the Father, and then he broke it and he told them, this is my body broken for you do this in remembrance of me when the supper had concluded the Lord took a cup and again he gave thanks to the father and he said this is the cup of the new covenant of my blood which was shed for you and as often as you drink of it, do this in remembrance of me. Therefore, Lord, we remember. We remember that you died for us, that we might live. We remember that your blood poured out, spilled out, was spilled out so that we might have freedom and be cleansed of our own sin we remember that on the third day you rose again and all those who put their faith in you will rise again and one day share this cup in heaven at the, at the majestic and beautiful supper marriage supper of the Lamb Lord we pray that this might be a moment of holy communion for us that we would encounter you we would know you you would test us And we would be faithfully found, Lord, to be worthy. Not because we are worthy, but because of your righteousness poured out in our hearts. Oh, Jesus, we want to know you in these moments.